2019, Mandan, North Dakota. Early in the morning on March 25th, security footage shows a man with a very distinctive walk park at a McDonald's and then leave on foot. He appears on a different security system for RJR maintenance and management moments later, face covered to hide his identity. He did not rob the business, nor did he encounter anyone else before he left. Days later, security footage again catches a man park in the same place, in the same truck, and walk, very distinctly, to RJR maintenance and management again. However, this time, the man carried a revolver and a knife. Four people had just arrived for work at RJR. They would be found soon after this encounter, shot and stabbed. Nearly 100 stab wounds total. The case is technically solved, but there are so many mysteries left to figure out. Most importantly, why did it happen? This is a study of Strange. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Michael May. On today's episode, I interview Brian O'Connell, BOC as he's known to his friends, and this is about a strange true crime that is honestly very recent, especially compared to most of the stories I cover. It covers a quadruple murder and its subsequent trial in Mandan, North Dakota. Brian is a feature film director and writer producer of television. This murder case so intrigued Brian that it inspired him to visit the town, attend the trial, and write a pilot for a TV series, and he's actually mapped out the whole series, five seasons worth, all inspired by these events. And we're going to talk a little bit about that towards the end of our conversation. Before I get into the interview, though, allow me to take a few moments just for some podcast housekeeping here. First... Halloween is a coming, and in celebration of the spooky season, the Study of Strange's episodes are going to shift into some more paranormal, supernatural material, hopefully some scary stuff, and it's going to include more interviews and personal stories and anecdotes from guests than my usual setup. If you have any personal tales of anything paranormal or scary, email me at astudyofstrange at gmail.com, all one word. There's not a lot of time before Halloween, but I'd still love to try to have some people on the show, and we can always have a paranormal episode or two, even if we miss Halloween, so email me anyway, no matter what day it is, about your personal stories. Uh, and thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast so far. We are still brand spanking new. If you're enjoying the show, subscribe, rate, and review. Also, read about our guests or any other ways to support the pod in our show notes, either on your listening app or visit www.astudyofstrange.com. We also have a special Patreon giveaway going on right now, and you can find out more about that through our website as well. Now, let's turn our attention to Mandan, North Dakota in 2019. Brian will give you a, a better more detailed synopsis here in just a second, but just to set things up. A man named Chad Isaac has been arrested, convicted, 
and there's actually some recent news about him that we'll get into as well, for the brutal slayings of four people. Now, what hooked me to this story and why I wanted to interview Brian is that even though this case is quote-unquote solved, no one knows the motive. And it is very bizarre once you actually dive into the details and really think about that one fact. There was ample evidence to convict, including security camera footage, which includes Chad's pre-planning in the days leading up to the murders. Weapons were found, blood, all sorts of evidence. But the defendant himself sincerely seems to believe that he didn't do it. And those reasons and more are why it is so strange and fits this show. So without further ado, here is my interview with Brian O'Connell. Well, thank you so much for being on, Brian. And you told me about this case just, what, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago? It wasn't that long ago. And he's nodding, everybody. And yes. <laughs> uh, it definitely intrigued me. I was like, ooh, that would make a good TV show, which I have I have read your pilot script, by the way. And it is, thank you. It is, it is very you. awesome. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, it's uh, It was one of those things that just sort of popped up. As you know, I've, I've been uh, studying and writing about serial killers since I was about mm, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, so several several decades now. And this one just sort of popped across my radar on April 1st of 2019. The idea that it happened on April's Fool's Day is not lost uh, on me, the wow. irony of that. And then he, uh, then the person, Chad Isaac, I'm about to tell you about right now, uh, was uh, arrested on April 4th. Um, so you found out I, about this <clears throat> three days before he was captured? I found out about it on April fourth when he was captured. Oh, okay. Okay. And then working backwards, it was you know he was he was free for uh, free for three days. So the basic breakdown. I, I want to give a lot of credit and a shout out to an investigative journalist by the name of Keith Darnay, D A R N A Y, that lives in Mandan, North Dakota, where this uh, crime took place. Mandan is just across a small river from Bismarck, uh, North Dakota. It's sort of the North Dakota version of the Twin Cities, like Minnesota, St. Paul, or Winston Salem, North Carolina. And he, uh, his doggedness on the case has been uh, very good, but also. Uh, his restraint he held a lot of things back that helped um the make sure that the prosecution was fair and honest all throughout that even i did not know i had tips to everyone in the prosecution uh the the district attorney's office the cbi which is the state version of the fbi uh and even to the defense attorneys um i went to the trial we'll get to that later uh i went from los angeles to north dakota to go to the trial uh, and even in that moment where I was just like, everyone here is incredibly professional and, and well done and, and kudos to them. So with uh, thanks to Keith Darnay, after four and a half hours of deliberation over two days, a jury Friday, August 20th, 2021, uh, found Washburn resident uh, and chiropractor Chad Isaac guilty of the murders of four people at RJR Maintenance and Management in Mandan on April 1st, 2019. Uh, Isaac was also found guilty of burglary for unlawfully entering the RJR building while it was closed to the public, guilty of unlawful entry into William Cobb's RJR vehicle and unauthorized use of the RJR vehicle, which was driven to Indigo Sign shortly after the killings at RJR. Uh, the jury began deliberating the case around 2 p.m. Thursday and broke for the evening. Three hours later, six men, six women 
resumed deliberations Friday morning, 8.30 a.m., came back with a verdict about 9.45 a.m., and then Judge uh, Reich ordered the precinct's investigation, so on and so forth. On April 1st, 2019, Chad Isaac, a chiropractor and a resident uh, in Washburn, North Dakota, walked into uh, RJR Maintenance, which is sort of a uh, licensing company, uh, real estate company, uh, mobile homes, uh, uh, factories, uh, uh, storage facilities, things like that. RJR co-owner Robert Fackler and employees William Cobb, Lois Cobb, and Adam Fuhrer were brutally killed in the shop and front office of the RJR building in Mandan in the early mornings of April 1st, 2019. And using video surveillance footage from the RJR and surrounding businesses, investigators were able to generate a, a description and images of the suspect and suspect vehicle, a white Ford F-150 pickup. Here's where it gets fun. From the videos, authorities testified that they were able to track the suspect vehicle from a McDonald's parking lot along Memorial Highway in Mandan, North Dakota, to the Missouri Bridge crossing in Washburn. The distinctive rust formation on the rear well of the suspect truck, coupled with other unique mud marks on the front bumper, the black trim with no liner on the pickup bed, and other identifying marks caught the attention of McLean County Sheriff's Office's Lieutenant Justin Cromer in the Be on the Lookout, aka the Bolo, the bulletin, sort of like a you know all points bulletin. That was sent to law enforcement on April 3rd and April 4th of 2019. And Cromer, the sheriff's opposite lieutenant uh, who lives in Washburn and was an occasional patient of Chaz Isaac, immediately knew that Isaac drove a white Ford F-150 with very similar characteristics to the one shown wow. in the Bolo bulletins. And on April 14th, 2019, authorities stopped Isaac as he drove in Washburn and executed search warrants of his person, his truck, his home, and his downtown chiropractic business. Here's where the real fun stuff happens after this. Among the pieces of evidence seized, parts of a firearm in a plastic container inside the refrigerator, freezer, in Isaac's home. I know this from going for the trial. It was in a uh, it was in a uh, Tupperware that said Chad's veggie soup on it. He put his Christian name on the place where he was supposed to be hiding parts of a gun. Uh, an orange hoodie, a reversible face mask, black pants, black shoes. Uh, and, and were in the dryer, similar to the clothing worn by the suspect in the videos, a knife with a bit tip uh, in Isaac's washing machine underneath some wet clothing, nine shell casings and a sock in one of Isaac's home closet that had been shoved down underneath a bunch of dirty laundry, dark gloves and other clothing, very similar to those worn by the suspect in the videos. Some investigators also mentioned the smell of bleach when they entered Isaac's home. Investigator, this is the most insane, weird detail for me. Investigators also found 16 pairs of size 12 Avia dark shoes as, at Isaac's business that were similar to those worn by the suspect in the videos, as well as a business appointment book with morning appointments scheduled for April 1st, 2019, that were moved to later times and dates. And Isaac told one of his patients that he had rescheduled, that he had a dental appointment that morning. Right. But authorities said they could not find any evidence that Isaac ever went to a dental office that day. In addition to the video from April 1st, an employee of Big O Tires and Mandan noticed something familiar about the subject's movements in his business surveillance videos. When he reviewed videos from March 25th, 25th, exactly one week earlier, he found the same similarly dressed suspect going through the same motions as on April 1st. I know from going through the trial that they also have Chad Isaac's personal diary that says on March 25th, RJR, and then on April 1st, he wrote rjr again even though he had no business appointment to be there whatsoever which means that he intentionally did a week a week earlier he intentionally did a dry run 
and then wrote both of those dates down in his own handwriting in his own personal day planner. Um, I'm going to sort of leave it at this next paragraph and then we can dive in. When authorities matched surveillance video from Memorial Highway Business for April 1st and March 5th, 2019, at the same time as the murder, they found the videos, quote unquote, eerily similar, as one investigator put it. In the time the white Ford 150 arrived and parked at McDonald's, the clothing the suspect was wearing, the paths he walked to and from RJR, and the direction the white Ford F-150 followed leaving the McDonald's parking lot, one investigator testified the timing of both videos was within 30 seconds of each other for much of the movements, suspect, suggesting the suspect was rehearsing his plans for the following week. Chad Isaac was formally arrested on April 4th, 2019. The trial was held in August of 2021. He was found guilty after two days of deliberations uh, in August of 21. And then on August 1st of this year, 2022, he took his own life in prison. So where do you want to start? Because there's a lot wow. more moving pieces. There there are. And, and I have a couple of things I want to start with. Please. First, first. Yeah. It, it's I, I it's so weird because I, I love true crime and I love mysteries. Uh -huh. But at the same time, we have to dive into some pretty nasty shit. Right. So That's walk, correct, us, yes. walk me through the details as best you can with, you know, you, you can. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go too crazy with it. Sure. But this is, it's a quadruple murder, which is already crazy. And I even read that, I think mm -hmm. in the last like 20 years of Mandan, there hadn't even been that many murders combined. Mm -hmm. And here it is in one night. Yeah. Yes. But not just is it the amount of people, it is also mm -hmm. the fact that they were shot and there were like, what, a hundred stab wounds total? Yes. Of them. And what I did, so, what I did not find out until I went to the trial, I went to the trial in August of 2021, uh, due, due to a uh, previous trip I had planned to just do uh, location scouting and to take pictures and sort of get mm -hmm. a sense of the, of the place through a combination of uh, COVID delays and the slow moving wheels of justice. I happened to be there on the exact same weekend that if I just stayed one extra day, I could go to the courtroom on right. Monday, Monday morning, uh, which I did. Uh, I was as far, I was probably maybe 20 feet away from Chad Isaac, the defendant. If I had sat uh, two feet to my left, um, I would have been on court TV right behind the prosecution. Well, you should have uh, done it, Brian. Come well, on. the only reason I wasn't because the official photographer was sitting there and I would have been blocking him. And I, as a director, as you know, can't block the camera. No, can't block can't, the shot. Can't, can't do that. Can't do that. Uh, yeah, that by going to that case that day, I got very lucky that the CBI, the, the state version of the FBI, was testifying that morning. And kudos to uh, everyone for keeping you know tight lipped about the the case, especially in a small town like that. Uh, that was the first time that I became aware that uh, it was a revolver and not mm -hmm. an automatic. So when he shot nine times, he reloaded to. Be be able to uh, do that. So yeah, it's multiple shootings, multiple, 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 multiple stabbings mm -hmm. uh, with with that same sort of industrial knife. Uh, to call it a knife is even sort of weird. It had like sort of a, it's more of like one of those mini mini handheld saws that you would take camping is, oh. uh, is the weapon that uh, he shows. Uh, yeah, so early morning, uh, April 1st of 2019, out of business, moments before it was opening, there's a, uh, a, a good sense that None of this makes sense, but there was a good sense that he may have been surprised mm -hmm. about the other two, um, two of the four actually being present. Mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, why it, no one really knows sort of like what, like who was the target? And if the well, target was meant to be the owners of the business, why he did not elect to do that at their home instead of their place of business where he could be elected to be surprised mm -hmm. uh, by, by extra people there. Uh, but that did not make him hesitate for very long. If you look at the video footage, he looks, sees us, there, there's more people there and goes, eh, carpe diem. Uh, and then and then continued on yeah. with his yeah. yeah and I'll say for for people listening that are curious mm. about this case uh, and obviously we're we're just getting into it so we'll, we'll get into it a lot more but the videos are out there um, you can you can mm. just YouTube and find a, a lot of the video and surveillance yes yeah, so if you go to if you go to kxnet.com Keith Darnay has a uh, one year later sort of rolling diary of like this is what I wrote about on the day that this happened oh, nice. and you can, if nice. you can follow you can follow the case with pictures and video uh and hyperlinks uh just about as 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 granular as you can stomach mm. to be certain yeah okay so uh I, I'm just going to mention this one thing but I think we'll come back to it but you already mentioned for sure he went in early in the morning may have been surprised there were more people than he would have thought to be there that, that yes. early but also motive is part of that motive is part of surprise and motive is uh -huh. it, no one knows still like that's the thing that kind of has always intrigued me it, it's the, it's the number one thing that uh made me become obsessed with the case yeah. uh and to and to this day it stays with me there is no motive no one has any idea why he did it and i can say this from personally uh attending the trial and being there reading his body language and stuff was really like the shoulder shrugs and the the whispers that i am convinced that forget the fact that he does not think he is guilty whether the issue of his guilt or not i i think is not in question i don't but as far as the why the motive i don't think his defense attorneys know why he did it there is no history of bad blood personally mm -hmm. with the family you think small mm -hmm. towns uh you know things like there was a, a brief rumor that uh the owner or one of the uh, one of the co-owners of RJR management had a bad divorce and yeah, that maybe that. his ex yeah his ex-wife maybe that, that was quickly debunked uh she, you know she was the first one to be like I I would have done it myself very you know that very sort of midwest sort mm -hmm. of like if I was going to do it I would have done it um there's no history like he once rented a trailer home from but he was never he was never evicted he was never even late on rent the the idea that there is some sort of like oh this did this did there's no crime of passion there's no crime of revenge here there's anything that we sort of think of what have been traditionally and historically uh laid out as motives in a court of law do not exist much less the court of public opinion i i know just about as much about this case as as the people that worked on it probably a little less but certain to be certain but for the layman, I know just about everything that you can know about this case, and I have zero idea. And anyone who tells you they do is is lying. Yeah. Is lying. Yeah. Okay. So he he. Sorry, I'm still. I'm. I, you got my sure. head spinning. So I apologize yeah. if I'm jumping around a bit. But no, he please, goes please. in in the morning, surprised or yes. not, he pulls out a revolver. Revolver, excuse me, and yes. he shoots. And now, is everybody in the, all the victims in the same room? Or are they dispersed? Did he have to? Go They're all in the prison? same room. It's like an opening. It's like an open air. A uh, small lobby. Imagine if RJ Maintenance is a large warehouse that they mm -hmm. have sort of like things about. And then off in the corner, there would be, uh, you know, a, a lobby, an office, smaller offices off to the side where, you know, there would be a desk and that kind of thing. So the whole thing took place because everyone is congregating in that small lobby space mm -hmm. just inside the, the, the open front uh, door. 
uh, where like where normal customers would come in. It is a very sort of small town of like, hey, Chad, what's going on? What brings you in here so early this morning? Four people just being there. No one is no one is even in the other parts of the building because it's so early in the morning. No one is doing like their no one's doing the business part of the business yet. Right, right. You know? Yeah, they're yeah. not open. It's the beginning of the day. People are showing up. Yeah. 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 Cup of coffee, shoot the shit. So yeah. he shoots them, even yes. has to reload because it is a revolver. Yes. And then stabs them. Multiple, multiple, multiple times. Yeah. The type of stabbing that is traditionally has been known as either uh crimes of passion mm-hmm. or when it comes to uh what what they refer to in uh serial when referring to serial killers of some sort of like uh the, the like what's the t- phrase that they use the specific phrase i want to get it right the um the overwhelming amount the the uh yeah the, the just the fact that overdoing it clearly meant that this was personal but in a way that there is no motive to show what that personal stance would be right right yeah the overkill that's the term i was looking for the overkill is uh consistent with crimes of passion mm-hmm. and or the types of serial murder uh mass murder murder sprees where uh the bloodlust takes over and it's right, just right impossible to keep count for for the killer themselves mm-hmm. of how many times yeah there's not enough stabs to do mm-hmm. it and yeah this is you said it was like a saw type hand yeah so it's sort of a mini yeah like a like a neon orange and black stripe like handheld mini saw that someone might take on camping if you're trying to like cut down things uh, like cut off limbs for like firewood for kindling yeah um it has a as a saw edge that's why and those those knives tend to be since they're mass produced they tend to have thinner blades and and cheaper metal so that's when they found it the tip had been bent because Mm. you know when you hit things like bone and and the concrete beneath the body uh, has a tend to uh, has a tendency to to uh, curl uh, the knife tip. Yeah, of course. Okay, so he 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 kills everybody in this crazy yes. crazy situation. Yes, he, he leaves and he is yes. it. He steals one of their trucks. Is that correct? Or he gets back yes. The, uh, yeah, initially he parks in the McDonald's. That's uh, I think about two. It's like a two mile walk away. Okay. So he uh, he walks in. If you go to RJR. Uh, it's a small side street off of U.S. Highway there, uh, but it's like sort of that strip of highway where it's like not not a lot. Of, it's definitely sort of the industrial area of the town, or sort of like when I mean industrial, I don't mean factories and and billowing steam pipes. I mean just more of like, oh, that's where the the motor lodge sales park is. Like, there's not a lot of things there. There's not certainly not anything that's residential. So when you when you take that little side street off to get to RJR, RJR the big uh, building, storage uh, sort of facility buildings on your left, and then there's a large parking lot, and then sort of another building like that off to your right, and then dead straight ahead of you, it's woods uh, mm-hmm. on one side of your vision, and then just uh, open field. So he parked and uh, hoofed it in, like specifically with the idea of like I don't want my car and my right. license right. plate being there. And then, so I think when he was leaving, you can see from the video footage that he's sort of peeking out, trying to figure out what's what's the next thing. And then that's where he steals one of the um, the company cars, the RJR maintenance company mm-hmm. cars, and then drives that to a different place. I guess he just didn't feel safe enough, or didn't feel like he had enough time to to double Get back away. the way he had yeah. clearly clearly worked out. 
uh, and then dumped that car and then hoofed it back to his car at the McDonald's uh, there. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then three days later, Mm -hmm. he's captured. Uh, yes. I guess I guess just kind of fill in that hole and you already did a little bit of it in the, the synopsis mm-hmm. you gave. But what kind of interesting things were found? And, you, you know, you talked about the guy that was a client of Chad's who was went to his chiropractor practice. Is that yeah, what you call sheriff practice? Yeah, chiropractor yeah. practice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A sh- sheriff, uh, sheriff's office lieutenant mm-hmm. recognized and said, hey, that's my chiropractor's car because it is a there's a very distinct rust pattern. If you look at yeah. the pictures, you go. Yeah, that's that is so distinct in the way yeah. like like a birthmark would be on a human. That's a rust pattern that could be on a car, and also the other defining marks. Now, again, when I was at when I was physically at the trial, I, that's when uh, they were going over physical evidence. So I got to see a lot of a lot of uh, photography, crime scene photography they had taken of that white truck, that Ford F one fifty of his. And I mean, it from that day of April fourth, where they they kept the chain of uh, evidence correct and and did everything because uh, that's what the defense uh, tried to argue that there's a lot of uh, chain of evidence uh, mm-hmm. leaks and I'm like I don't think so man because uh, I would have heard about it uh, there is blood all over that car and when I mean blood all over that car I mean like he literally got into that car still covered in his victim's blood yeah. touching it the, the, the most chilling one for me is where he uh, has clearly touched it uh, and put on his seatbelt and then taking a moment to take a one liter bottle of soda that had been already opened and he opened it up. So there's blood on oh, the soda, on the soda bottle yeah. and the soda cap. And he clearly took a big old gulp before he then took the car and put it in park and, and drove away. Like there, there, that blood is everywhere all over yeah. that car. And to the point where like it, it would be a bigger miracle and a bigger mystery for someone to plant that blood in in such a way in his vehicle versus what we yeah what is yeah. most likely true Th- that's a good point because a lot <laughs> yeah. of times you know especially the the cases that intrigue me there's always like evidence but it's evidence that doesn't really connect to anything else so it makes your mind wander and you think of conspiracies and connections and yeah did, did please plant it but yeah it sounds like all of this kind of lines up like it, it doesn't seem like something that could have been planted or could be somebody else because it's yeah. all everything kind of connects in this perfect little line yeah i th- i think one of the main reasons why this case has uh been so in for lack of i don't want to say important but like the way that the reason why it has stuck to uh stuck to me for as long as it has and and writing a, a a television series around it and physically buying a plane ticket and going there and going to the trial and, and doing all the location scouting on that is because i am sort of fascinated overall as an artist i'm sort of fascinated with the banality of evil mm-hmm. that the idea that um as as comforting as the idea of monsters or conspiracy theories or this like you know how far do how far to deep does this go um for a lot of times uh, the most horrific things that human beings are capable of doing to each other and do to each other really come from just the smallest places. Just, mm-hmm. um, and that's why they become even more horrifying because there is no reasoning behind. So yeah. the banality of evil, and then to the idea of like you know, I say, blood sex, but also when like, they viewed his house three days later, he didn't take off, he didn't leave town. He clearly was. I, I don't want to say clearly because nothing is clear in this thing. But I think it stands to reason that he thought he had gotten away with it mm-hmm. because this is three days later. But he's taking the appropriate steps 
but also he's doing them in such a weirdly haphazard way that it would almost be impossible. It beggars the imagination that someone, if the argument was made that someone was framing him, well, then I don't know why they would keep gun parts from the gun that was used as well as the Walmart receipt from the gun that was used in a Tupperware that says Chad's veggie soup on it and put it in his own freezer. I don't know why the same clothing and the knife and bleach were found wet in the, in the, in the dryer in his mm. house, nine bullet casings from the same type of revolver shoved in a sock with his DNA on it. It's his sock shoved into a sock shoved into the bottom of dirty laundry at the bottom of the closet in his bedroom. That's, that's a Machiavellian person who would be able to think of all that and therefore to frame a different person as if they did not do that. I, I, my thing is always, I always sort of come down to him. Like the only way that that would possible would be possible for someone to frame him in such a way is that that person had to be walking right behind him in all the videos. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just and, it wouldn't and, it wouldn't match yeah. up any other way right so yeah let me take a pause and sort of uh in information about the case and just go to you for sure. a moment so tell me when you first came across this and then even like the the inspire i mean you went over it a little bit but i love the idea yeah. i just love that you were actually able to go and go to the trial for a bit i i, I was flabbergasted that i worked out that way yeah 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 so yeah how did you first come across it um randomly uh through a website it might have been imager mm -hmm. uh, imgur.com whenever mm -hmm. whenever i uh find that social media uh, especially nowadays uh, and especially in 2019 where i found i was like i have to get off facebook i have to get off instagram i have to get off twitter the the, the news headlines are just too daunting i'm being overwhelmed mm -hmm. and i go uh i go to i'll go to wikipedia and look up production uh old movie production notes of like like oh i didn't know that like for example like oh i didn't know the dirty riding scoundrels was actually a remake of a movie with david niven and marlon brando <laughs> and it was meant to be it was meant to be a starring vehicle for mick jagger and david bowie mm -hmm. to do something and then they turned it down and then they it went through a couple different people ended up being steve martin and michael kane uh and there's even a quote from bowie going like uh we actually kind of regretted it because we thought it actually it, it, it might have turned out quite well. And then we saw the movie and we went, oh, missed opportunity. <laughs> uh, so I'll go to places like that to sort of like heal myself and sort of unplug mm -hmm. from the uh, horror machine. And Imager is one of that because, you know, we have people, it has all the pictures and all sort of the memes of Reddit, but without, you know, being Reddit, right, without being, right. you know, sort with of all also the, evil the toxicity. That comes with it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the toxicity that's there. And so there's usually a lot of kitties and all that. And every once in a while, as you just, you know, I do, you know, I do most... I just go like, what's most viral? What's, you know, I'm not going in user sub and just come through. And I think I probably found it through there. I, yeah. I have like 2000 hyperlinks about the trial now. So I, I, yeah. I, I hesitate to, I'm hesitant to go back and try and find out like where I found mm -hmm. out about that. And then I saw that and went, huh, that's interesting. And I usually have to like, I usually have like a, a Google hyperlink where, uh, or bookmark where I'll be like potential movie TV slash mm -hmm. film ideas or like whatever. And then for whatever reason, I just went, you know, there's something here. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take one extra step. I'm gonna make a Google alert for for Mandan, North Dakota, and and I don't even have to put Chad Isaac because Mandan is a small enough town, and I'm from a, I'm from a small town in in High Point, North Carolina. But this is even smaller town. I'm like I'm confident if I just put Mandan, North Dakota as a Google alert, 
this is going to be a big story. Yep. And then st- for the for the next couple of days, of course, as they're looking for people, they're trying to find suspects, they're trying to find answers. They're interviewing people and it just keeps going. So for those from April 1st, 2019 to April 4th, when he was captured, I like every day, multiple times a day, I would be getting Google alerts in my inbox and I'd read on it. I go like, God, this is so weird. This is so weird. What is this? And then once they found him and then once they sort of broke down who he was and that, you know, what, what they were allowed, obviously what, uh, what the press was in man, the local press was allowed to print about him. Just learning about him, I was like, this makes no sense. This makes no sense. There's no, he didn't get into a fight with this guy. All this, all my redneck brain just started going like, okay, did he get in a fight with this guy a couple of days ago? Like, oh, was there some yep. sort of weird love affair? Mm-hmm. Was there, mm-hmm. a, you know, was there, oh, this guy got evicted from back in the day from when he was living in a different place and he's been holding on to this. You know, the way that like, you know, they talk about the movie Hoffa, like Jimmy Hoffa always yeah. says, yeah. Uh, you know, it's the imagined hurt. You know, the, you always have to be aware of the guy of the imagined hurt of like the thing that you didn't think was a big deal or you're like, or like a quick handshake or like, yeah, I'll talk to you later. And that to you means nothing. But that guy's going home every night, wide open, staring at the ceiling, going exactly. like just thinking about yeah. it over and over. Like, That's yeah. over. But there's none of that. There's nothing there. Mm. The best that I can come up with, to be perfectly honest and this is just a theory, because again, from his body language, every time the CBI guys were, he would just, Chaz Isaac would roll his eyes and be like, make notes. He would lean over and whisper stuff like, he did not think he did it. He would, every piece of information that came out, like, yeah, we find the nine bullet wow. shells in the bomb. He was like, oh, no way, didn't happen. I'm just like, okay. So honestly, the only theory that I, I have come up with, and this is just a theory, so I found, a, I found an article, an interview with Chad Isaac. The reason why he became a chiropractor is that he played high school football and he got a really bad neck and back injury. And he went, this is from an interview that he did in a local Washburn newspaper. I only have a screen grab of it. I can't even find the interview anymore. I just found the screen grab oh, of, wow. the, uh, of the article. And then he talked about how he went to, Went to every doctor you could think of, did everything like hypnosis, nothing worked. And then someone finally just said, hey, you should go to a chiropractor. Why he hadn't thought of that before, I have no idea. It's his narrative. And obviously, obviously, he is a unreliable narrator. But from this newspaper article, uh, I would have to imagine this is pre whenever he decided he was going to do this, because this was from several years prior to even the murders. Mm -hmm. Um, He said, I went to the chiropractor and then within 20 minutes, I felt demonstrably better like better than i'd ever had uh, that nothing else had worked and then finally i i felt like i did it was like i need to do this i need to dedicate myself to becoming a chiropractor so that i can also bring help to people who are in chronic pain the way that i was and which is a outrageously ironic when you consider like That's i'm gonna make it my life's say. mission yeah, yeah i'm gonna make it my life's mission to take away people's pain and then turn around and give some a lot of people the worst pain imaginable mm. which is the loss of a loved one in a high profile a media case like mm-hmm. this so my personal theory is and again this goes back to the banality of evil there are certain places where we know so little about nature versus nurture versus upbringing versus religious upbringing for all those different little pieces together and we know so little about the short and long-term effects of what we know as cte mm-hmm. which lots of professional football players have suffered yep. from uh and in recent years 
you know, uh, Jovan Belcher, I believe I'm mm-hmm. saying his name correctly, the tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs that killed his uh, family members, yeah, showed yeah. up in the parking lot and then killed himself in front of head coach Andy Reid and a few of the other coaches. Someone like Junior Seau. Seau, uh, yeah. Yeah, of course, we just people snap and then just lose all consciousness. Uh, and then on down the line mm-hmm. of all the, the Greg Hardys mm-hmm. and all the different people, you have the domestic abuse and and violence that that everyone around them says like that's not who that person is i've Mm. never seen that person be like that and so for me there's a small theory of like you know what this may this this road may lead back to a a question of cte of someone who suffered from long-term chronic physical and mental pain and then somewhere god wouldn't it be crazy if the physical pain had been taken away and for some reason whatever little switch got switched here and that and then slowly but surely, and then also maybe he had never been uh, cured of his physical pain. Would he have not also had these same thoughts and and and, for lack of a better term, a uh, call to do this sort of violence and do this sort of uh, to this sort of rage? But he would be physically incapable of doing it. Like those little pieces is what I what I find fascinating about the banality of evil. Most of the time, I believe that there is no good reason. There is no aha moment. Life is not um, life is not a story that uh, where the things in the first act have to pay off in the third act necessarily. Mm-hmm. Sometimes mm-hmm. things are just sad and they just yeah. end. And those are the sort of stories that I get interested about and then go, okay, is there a way to keep this cinematic based on the banality of its evil? Or do you have to do a little bit of a goosing to make yeah. it just believable? There's a reason why I, when I wrote Strange Magic, which is the title of the pilot, I, I, I had the working title was Van Damme, but then I wanted to change it because I was like, yeah. that is not fair to the people there. I do not want to use this as a way to to continue that pain for people. Yeah, yeah. But I, I so out of out of respect for them, I wanted to add the supernatural elements to it that I did, mm. but also mostly I had to add the supernatural elements because if I tried to do it just as a straight true crime, like the killing or uh maybe the first season of fargo yeah uh, yep. the, the the studio notes the network executive notes i would get back i'm like that doesn't make any sense i wouldn't try that the, the trial wouldn't happen that way i'm like but it did it, it, and it doesn't yeah. make any sense yeah yeah i, I it, showed it i showed it to a a good friend i'll tell you off camera who it is because i want to <laughs> out them but we have a mutual friend who uh, is not a practicing attorney but did go to law school did graduate works in a law firm and i just sent him the uh i just sent him the article on the day that uh chad isaac was found guilty i was like hey by the way this is that thing i've been working on for a couple because he was like what the hell are you doing in north dakota right yeah yeah, uh, yeah. and then i almost gave him away by doing the impression but i caught myself uh <laughs> i i sent him that and within within two minutes he sent me back a message that said this is the dumbest criminal i've ever heard of in my life i'm like yeah yeah that's why that's why spookiness is involved now because Every executive would be like, yeah. "There is no criminal that's that yeah. dumb or does something that is just that out of the blue." Yeah, and make it make and make it make narrative sense. So it, yeah, it, it, exactly, and that's and that's why honestly, it's perfect for my podcast because the strangeness of it, why this wouldn't make a straight up good movie by itself, yeah. is, is why I think it, it's it's a worthy just a conversation because it is so mm. bizarre, and part yeah. of what you're talking about with CTE as a theory. I don't know enough about it. So I I don't mean this as like a way to debunk that theory. I mean, it as a way to literally question it, but like the premeditation because he was practicing this and everything was minute by minute, second by second planned ahead, but there's no motive for why he's targeting Mm -mm. RJR. There's no reason why he's targeting the people there, but yet it's so premeditated that I'm like, is CTE one of those things that can affect your thought process that with that great 
attention to detail over a length of time that's consistent for the amount yeah. of days he meditated it. And, it and it might be i don't know i literally just don't know that's why i'm there's, asking well there's it, it, there's lots of different like i mentioned uh the, the the case of the kansas city chiefs tight end who mm-hmm. uh you know and then junior Seau who turned the gun on himself yeah a lot of the guys with cte if you want to talk about the idea of premeditation and all that that is why that's one of the reasons why it's such a dangerous illness and why it's being studied so hard for something that is, you know, the NFL is such a huge part of the yes. Americana. Yes. Amer- even if you don't, even if you don't like football or don't watch professional or college football, it is, it's ingrained into like the, um, the American experience mm-hmm. is because you'll have a lot of these guys who are aware of what they're going through. And then when they take their own lives, they shoot themselves in the chest, not their head. So their brains can be studied by science afterwards because yeah. they are aware of the nightmares and the demons that they're having and going oh, on man. and that they're, yeah, I mean, literally the idea of like, I'm a professional quarterback that is retired and I have multiple, uh, I'm in the Hall of Fame and all that. And I walk, you, you hear these heartbreaking stories of like, I walk into the kitchen and I don't know why I walked in the kitchen and I've been standing there for an hour. And my wife comes in and says, what are you doing here? And I scream and I punch the wall next to her face. And then she's, God bless her, she is aware of it. And then like multiple hours come later, it's like, oh, I was thinking about getting a glass of water and I thought, where did I put my keys? And then the, and then the rest of the day is lost. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the day is gone. You have professional wrestlers. The most famous one of uh, Chris Benoit, unfortunately, who uh, had lots of very difficult CTA. The, the, the professional surgeons, when they did his autopsy that said that he basically had the, the brain of an 80 year old man, oh but he goodness. was in his yeah his mid forties. Yeah. He, he was a family annihilator. He, he killed his family spent several days trying to like he canceled on a pay-per-view he was supposed i have a friend who was supposed to wrestle him that night and win a win the ecw heavyweight championship from oh, chris wow. benoit but he but he no showed on sunday night he they found his body uh and the body of his wife and his child um on monday morning or monday afternoon monday night raw was live on the usa channel they had a big like 21 bell salute and they told story they dedicated the whole three hours to his memory on that and by the next day is when everyone else found out mm-hmm. oh no he killed them and then and then killed himself mm-hmm. and but there's a they have shown that throughout there from the, the from the people that he did call certain other things he did certain his like his search engine used from the computer that was in the house like he had made attempts to try and cover it up but at what point was he aware of what he had even done and why so there's a lot of that's the the hard part is like, I don't disagree with you that CTE is a very sort of like out there theory because we know so little of it. And from, from person to person, there's such a different uh, can way to do with it. But and sometimes it could take years and sometimes yeah. like, sometimes it could be while they're still in their playing days. Nobody knows about yeah. what I mean, and, and Hey, that maybe that's why it's actually a valid theory to have because the, the only the only theory I have, and I was going to save some theories for the end, but we're already doing it. So I'm just going to jump please, in. Please, please, please. One of the things I thought of is, oh God, now I'm forgetting their names. It's a famous oh. story of early 20th century. These two like college kids that thought they were smarter than everybody else. They're like, we're going to make the perfect murder and no one's going to catch us. And they've made a million I, movies and shows. And whatever. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. But I think I have that hyperlink yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, and I can't, I can't yeah. believe I'm forgetting their names okay. right now. Uh, Leopold and Loeb. Lipo and Loeb, yeah, yeah, they've made several stories about it. Yeah, yeah. And, they were and, they were basically they were basically just 
bored aristocrats. Yeah. For anything. They, they, yeah. And they thought they were smarter than everybody else. There's a there's a narcissistic mm-hmm. element to yeah. them. And so part of me was thinking, I wonder if there's a, a world or a place. And I have mm-hmm. barely I just wanted to read enough about this case to be have mm-hmm. educated questions. So I didn't dive into it very oh. deeply. But sure. I, I was like, I wonder if there's just an element of this guy where he's like, I just want to do it and I think I can do it. And, and that's you know what? I, so scary. It was like that thinking. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's funny that you say that because I also have a secondary theory that kind of mm-hmm. not about this, but sort of in general that sort of plays into that together. Because first off, the idea of that Leopold and Loeb mm-hmm. uh, theory or a CTE theory aren't mutually exclusive. That's both true. of those can be yeah. occurring at the same yeah. time and both of them can be concerning at the same time because one led to the other or absolutely independent of each other yeah one was just like oh man i've 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 got this chocolate in my peanut butter now for lack of a better term right and not to be flippant about it you know real people died uh-huh. but also it does sort of lead up to my i have a sort of a general theory because i'm from a small town in north mm-hmm. carolina i've been around this kind of stuff and he did live in a trailer park early on. Yes, he lived in yes. a trailer that was owned by RJR Maitland. Right. And that was one of the first places I went to. I was like, was he evicted? I'm like, no, he didn't evicted. He was never laid on his rent. From what I can tell, he never had any issues with the place mm-hmm. management or even just neighbors. And he had moved out of there and moved on up because through his chiropractor business, several, several years passed. So if that was, it had to be the most minuscule of a thing. And if that guy held on to a, uh, something like that for so long, if he was the yeah. type of person that was so petty about that, then that, I feel like there'd be a slew of other stories of pettiness. But I do have a, what I call the trailer park theory. This is a Brian James O'Connell individual theory, is that the reason why you find so much hopelessness in trailer parks, a uh, reason why you find so much heart disease, and why you find so much uh, drink alcoholism, uh, b- bad foods, aside from the fact that they're normally in food deserts, but the reason why people there do so much bed swapping and so much fist fighting and so much like, you know, you know, I'm I'm cheating on your wife and you're cheating on mine and you know, mm-hmm. my sister on that. And then the sort of the, the, the nihilism that's going on is because these are people without any hope. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything interesting going on in their lives. They don't have anything important going on in their lives. And they know it. So therefore, much like a soap opera, they have to manufacture the drama to have importance in mm-hmm. their day-to-day life. Because otherwise, it's it would be too crushing. And then and you factor in on top of that, like, it's not really even an IQ thing because if you can be, you can be, you could be a genius. You could have 175 IQ and be stuck in a trailer park because that's the crushing weight of poverty and being aware of it. I don't know if being aware of it or being ignorant enough of what is happening is a, which one worse, is a worse yeah, fate. Yeah. So there is a possibility too, as well, that, that he very well could have said like, is this all my life is? I didn't get that big. I didn't get to play college football like i wanted to i'm a chiropractor and i thought i was gonna help a bunch of people but really i'm just sort of like i'm like a low level not even a dentist and i'm just the drudgery of it it is a it is absolutely possible Mm -hmm. that he just went what if i could and then who yeah who would it be where's the perfect because he did the mouse of forethought to use uh, the technical term for murder the legal technical term the mouse of forethought is there you dress the same way, you drive the same car, you park in the same place to the point where the March 25th and then the April for the March 25th run through and the April 1st committing of the act can be almost matched up to the second by 30 mm. second window. That means he was doing that intentionally. He was trying to make it as close to the day of run through, the, the, making the run through as close to as the day of to even to the point of writing it down, writing it down in a day planner with your name and address in it. 
baffling. It's baffling. Yeah. It's really so bizarre. It's so bizarre. It, it, so yeah. possible. Possible. Yeah. It could be a Leopold Loeb thing. Can I get away with it? Can yeah. I? But yeah. in that in that case, and now I'm just thinking about out loud about it. But in that case, sure. they, they thought they were so smart that they they thought they were able to cover things up. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Chad Isaac, it doesn't seem like he tried to cover anything up. Or, you know, or if he well, that, he, that's he that's no, the frustration. Yeah, there are certain places where it's like, man, the willpower. You know, you and I are writers, so we know how. Like the the old joke is like, uh, no no house has ever been cleaner than a writer on deadline. Right. Find any find any excuse to do anything in the world. Yeah. Yep. Versus like then 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 yep. actually write. Paint um, the living room, which I did this weekend yeah. instead of doing some other writing. So yes. Exactly. <laughs> I don't uh, understand. And so to think of the willpower and the intestinal fortitude it would take to meticulously measure something out like that. But then on the flip side of like I don't know if you can curse on this podcast or not, but sure, yeah. um yeah, great. Then I'll just do the one. We'll keep it PG-13. This is my one <laughs> F-bomb. Um, to, to the willpower and the intestinal fortitude to make all those trips, to to measure it down to within the minute. And then on the flip side of that, if there was an intended target and he was therefore actually surprised about the other, go to his fucking house where only he's going to be. You moron. If there was, that's why, again, it's a, like there is no motive. There is no reasoning. I don't think he knows Certainly his defense attorneys don't know, and they should know more than anyone else. I don't even think the victims knew in that moment. There's no, there's nothing that said yeah. that he even said anything or that yeah. there was any attempt to like run or find where they, like people, he came in and it happened to, to the point of like, then why would you just not go to, to Mr. RJR's home mm-hmm. before he even left for the business? Why yeah. would, what you would think there's certainly less <clears throat> potentiality of, closed circuit public security yeah. cameras yeah. in whatever neighborhood they're in even yeah. if he's in even if that person lives in a successful neighborhood april 2019 i don't know how widespread door cams are ring door cams are in even the tawniest places of mandan north dakota e- i i mean i went to uh just to go back for a second yeah i mean i physically went to the uh to the trailer park that chad isaac lived in mm-hmm. when he was living like to to the to the exact location. I won't, I won't give out uh, the poor people living there now don't need looky lose. I'm sure they have enough of that already. So I'm not going to add yeah. to that by giving the actual address, but I went there physically and boy, dude, I, I did the whole loop through the whole place. Depressing, depressing. Mm-hmm. I've been in a lot of trailer parks, but I haven't, there's few I've been in that are gnarlier than that one. Where oh, I was wow. just like, my God, my God. But if he made it, out of that yeah, yeah then what to what end to what end it's crazy there's for every time the, this guy looks like uh the pink panther and i mean like the movie like the the world's greatest mm-hmm. cat burglar there's another moment where it's just like this guy should be outside of 7-eleven playing with his own dude like i don't understand yeah the the, 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 the the dichotomy of it yeah okay so you got to go to the trial hey how many days of the mm-hmm. trial did you go to just one or multiple um i i flew into mandan i flew into bismarck uh, rented a car on Friday, uh, drove in, uh, stayed at a, a small hotel for Friday night and Saturday night. Uh, Liz came up and met me on Sunday uh, night. We sort of stayed at a nicer place in Bismarck. Uh, I was trying to go for the authentic experience, and I don't think she was interested in the <laughs> authentic uh, dirt dirtbag uh, experience that I was in. And since she was making the trip up, I was like, okay, well, let's let's make it like sort of a road trip. So we went we went Monday morning. 
they couldn't have been they couldn't have been nicer. No one asked us what we were doing there. No one asked us why we were there. As long as we didn't have cell phones on us and as long as we were wearing a mask, we just walked in. We we like walked in and sat in the uh, the trial. And so we were there until we went in early Monday morning and we sat through two uh, CBIs uh, testifying okay. to the officers. And then we left. They took their lunch break around one. We left. We had lunch. And then we started on a uh, at, in hindsight, uh, the weirdest thing of all. We went on sort of an unofficial media case slash murder road trip because yeah. we went to. We went to Deadwood. We went to Dodge City. We went oh, to wow. Denver. John Bonet Ramsey. Yeah. We went to Oklahoma City with the Oklahoma City bombing, and we we went to Wyoming, Devil's Rock, uh, uh, Devil, you know, Devil's Rock. Mm-hmm. I think is. It? Uh, we went to Mount Rushmore. So there's uh, Abraham yeah. Lincoln's assassination, and we ended in Dallas. Uh, the last thing we did in Dallas uh, before hanging out with a friend of ours who lives there. The last thing we did in Dallas is we went to uh, obviously the book depository of the, and yeah, the, yeah. And the JFK. Yeah. From so like, yeah, we went there. I did. I got to do one day. If I was by myself, I would have stayed the whole week mm-hmm. because we made it. We were in a, we were in a locker room in Kansas, uh, the locker room. We were in a hotel room in, I believe it was Kansas city. I know for a fact that that, I, the way I remember this is the day that they came back and found him guilty on all counts is because we watched it on court TV and then I flipped over to TNT to watch CM Punk make his first appearance on wrestling television for the first time in seven years. That's the night that he came back and they played cult of personality yeah. and all that. So that is the, that is the day I was like, yep, they found him guilty. Well, okay. Okay. Now they're just going back to the talking head. It's three minutes until uh, AEW Dynamite starts. So it's yeah. a Wednesday. I'll put it back on and then CM Punk walks out and then we all lose our minds. So that's how I remember. That's, that's an amazing detail. I love yeah. it. And, and the jury only up. deliberated was a four and a half hours is what I read. Is that over, over, two, over two days, which two days. means they, if they just didn't have to buy law, yeah. release them by the end absolutely. of the day, they, they would have absolutely found them guilty. And that I hey. think, I think from what I can tell, I think they were just, they were deliberating. I know they asked for one. Uh, they asked. They asked one question. You know how it is. Like they'll go to the mm-hmm. bailiff and you write down a question. Yep. Like they wanted just like one piece of instruction of like we want to be clear on this yeah, part yeah. of the law before they did. But like I can't imagine anyone in that room. And it was a good. It was a good jury. It was a mix of men and women. Like say six men, mm-hmm. six women. Every every social strata. Like I I sat there and looked and said if this was. I know this is, sounds like hyperbole and it sounds like I'm just sort of uh, pimping my own book or pimping my own project, but I'm like, I did. There was a moment where I looked and I looked at the jury and I went, you know what? If this was a jury, if I was on trial and this, this was my jury, I would feel good about this. Yeah, I'd feel like yeah. this. I'd feel like I'm being fair. There, there's mm-hmm. nothing. There's no one there where I was just like, and they took it seriously. No one was napping. Everyone was taking notes. Mm-hmm. Everyone was filled with the, the gravity of that moment. I was like, this is a well-picked jury of good, decent human beings doing their, doing, doing their civic their, duty, their duty to make yeah. sure that, ju- that, that justice is served. So, and yeah, but I was like, if it was the only reason it was two days is because they had to stop, you know, that's, that's yeah. back. Yeah. And, and I, that's one of the, you know, the other bizarre elements of this, because as we talk about it, it does seem like all the evidence is pointing in Chad's direction. Right. Yeah. And yet there's always going to be questions about things like this. Mm-hmm. And, and it, from what I've read, his defense, it looks like <clears throat> they took that tactic of like, it was rushed. 
you know, yeah. it's everybody's got white trucks up here. So in the surveillance footage, you know, how yeah. can we certainly be sure? And obviously you've already mentioned the rust, you know, marks that kind of tie it to him. But um, yeah. was there anything else about the defense's case that stood out to you as like, oh, like or anything that made you question or were you always just like, oh, God, this is weird because he obviously did it, but there's no motive. I think um, I, I will say this um, not to add because my, my girlfriend is a lawyer. She mm -hmm. does criminal law. And to her credit, the uh, he had he had a few lawyers, but sort of the main lawyer was an older gentleman, sort of like a silver fox hair. And very early on, very early on, like with I think like within five minutes of us sitting there, um, she either said it to me or she told me afterwards that she knew this within five minutes of sitting there. She's like, "That is a very good lawyer." Oh, if wow. I was on trial, if I was on tr her direct her mm -hmm. exact lines were, "If I was on trial for murder, that is the type of that is the lawyer I would want him doing my case." And I'm like no higher compliment right yeah yeah i think what i think what stuck out to me yeah because they were arguing the rush the old the old caveat and i learned this from her too the old caveat is if, you, if the law is on your side bang the law mm -hmm. if uh, if the facts are on your side bang the facts if uh if neither the law or the facts on your side bang the table mm -hmm. right that's the old the axiom <clears throat> and while they certainly weren't banging the table they, they were sort of making the idea of like the uh they were very calmly and very professionally saying this was rushed they weren't mm -hmm. trying to say that anyone had made a mistake yeah that they were wrong or they're bad at their jobs uh the idea that there hadn't been enough time to investigate other possible uh assailants or that. Mm -hmm. but the one thing i noticed that they did not make any pushback on even though it was mentioned and it had, been, it had been mentioned several times and maybe they brought this up on another day that i was not there but one of the main things in those videos and for those of you listening they're going to go back and, and do the deep dive what uh, what had been said early and often through all the reporting i had heard not only from uh from from this uh, lovely gentleman that I've been, you know, Keith, but also Blake Nicholson, who wrote the very first day. There's there's several. Uh, I don't want to you know name drop everybody, but like everyone who worked on this uh, trial, journalist wise, uh, was very very good. Um, he has a very unique gait. He has a very specific way of walking, and so is it possible? Yeah, that there was someone else. Sure. But if that someone else was there a week prior doing exactly all the same things that this other guy that we're saying to him, okay, but then that then that guy is the greatest mimic I've ever seen in my life. That guy, that guy should be on Saturday Night Live for how good his impressions are. Because to do and I'm I'm a mimic by trade in comedy. Like I I if I'm I can do an impression of half the people at iOS, the comedy theater that you and I performed at, uh, for years and years because I, if I'm around you for 10 minutes and you're my friend, I can do an impression of you. I, this guy's walk is so specific that the, the second I did it, you would know who I'm doing. Like I do a very good one. One of the things I do best is my my Eric Honeycutt walk is spot on. I do it and you go, that's Eric Honeycutt. This would have to be the same guy. It'd have to be that level. And that's the piece that I never saw them bring up. And I think that's where the defense knew that they couldn't. They couldn't. Yeah. They, yeah. Couldn't. Yeah. Don't bring it up. Don't fight it because it's dead set. Because all you do is open the door for the prosecution to play that tape over and over again and say, look how the person on the video walks. Do you know anyone else in your life that walks that way? If someone were to walk that way, what do you think the chances are that a second person in your life also walked that way? 
it's it's like doing a Jack Nicholson or a Christopher Walken impression. Mm-hmm. It's like, really? You know two people that talk like Christopher exactly Walken? Like I that, doubt yeah. it. I, I doubt it. I'm so glad oh. you brought up the walk because I completely forgot about it because that's one of the things you first told me about this story. You told me about the surveillance footage that caught him, the, the very unique, specific kind of walk and gait that this guy had that was caught yeah. and how precise the the sort of pre-planning was to what happened and mm-hmm. and i completely forgot about the walk and i, I was i was fascinated <clears throat> by that when you first told me so I'm, yeah. I'm really glad you brought that back up at least yeah at least at least spock with the goatee evil spock acts different <laughs> this is like this is like watching a goofy movie and then halfway through a new person shows up and they're like oh no that's uh, that's jeff and i'm like well, that guy acts exactly the way that Goofy the dog acts. So I'm very confused about yeah, who Jeff yeah. is, right? <laughs> <clears throat> bad, bad screenwriting, so to speak. Which is again, I that's why I had to add in like the sort of Norse mythology yeah. and supernatural yeah. stuff to my to my pilot, yeah. because otherwise everyone would be like, this doesn't make any sense, and I can't do it. And I'm like, yeah, but I have to have something to show for the as a professional filmmaker, mm. I have to have something to show for the past. 1919 2019 to 2020 21 22 it's august of 2022 we have we have passed april of 22 this is four years of my life yeah absolutely i've been studying this uh, what else am i going to do with it if i I was still making music i'd write a song about it Uh, absolutely yeah you get you you're you're an artist you create i do want to tell everybody because you i didn't know how much you want to talk about your script and i don't i don't want to dive into it because it's a pilot script but i do want to mention a i've really really enjoyed it i mean that very oh thank you um must be i mean it's your podcast you wouldn't uh, say it on there if you're gonna it's true uh no but one of the things that i i do think is interesting and you kind of mentioned it earlier but just to reiterate it it really is just inspired by the events it is definitely not about this and uh and so i just wanted to kind of reiterate that for anybody interested in in following Mm -hmm. up or even hopefully one day seeing this as a show yeah and like you said with the title and like changing it i really respect that because you did take this turn with it that i think is is important now yeah and i mean it's it's respect for the families it's respect for the victims memories and also it's it's uh, and i made it very clear to anyone Anyone that I talked to up there that I had to say the why I was up there, I didn't I I didn't go into places and under false pretenses. If I took pictures, I took pictures of exteriors. I didn't infect anyone's lives. In a small town like that, everyone's everyone's a, attached personally mm-hmm. and emotionally to a thing like that. I, the last thing I would ever want to do is exploit that. And so I made it very clear not only to when I did have to talk to people. Or when I talk to people about it like this, I'm like, I am not an investigative journalist. I I am not. And therefore, since I am not, I knew that I had to, again, have it be a launching point and inspire off because I it is I can't write about this the way that David Simon writes about Baltimore. Right. right? Because right. he's from there and he was a yep. journalist. He has he has the journalistic ethics and training more specifically the training journalism school mm-hmm. i went to film school i didn't go to journalism school and so yeah this is a this is something that became important to me uh and out of respect for their memories and respect for the real people that passed away i'm from little chicago it's the 34th you know we're we're the high point is the 259th largest city in america but we're currently number 34 in murders per capita yeah. so yeah. i i've been yeah. around it my whole life i don't want that so yeah i said yeah I, this is a launching off point so yeah yeah what yeah once you once you get past the uh the sort of first act it's really not about that anymore because I didn't want to be salacious and I didn't want mm-hmm. to be inconsiderate. Uh, to be but it, it, yeah. it's such an interesting story, and you really used mm-hmm. the the questions around the motive and sort of the mental state of the person <laughs> yeah. 
it, it's you use that as sort of an inspiration to go somewhere. And it was it was great. If, thank you. If real quick, I just said there is a line in there that uh, I get lots of feedback, and I'm, I'm waiting for your notes as well. I'll take notes for everybody, but especially you, baby. Um, with you, you are a very accomplished filmmaker, and I would respect your notes. Yeah, there is a specific. There's a specific line where. Um, as the sheriff and his deputy are talking outside of the interview room and they go like, what do you think that, that line about the blood? What do you think that was all about? He's like, I don't know. Maybe he wants to juggle it or something. I can't tell you how many people have asked me to change that line. Cause it didn't make sense. And I'm just like, no, that's the point. It makes so little sense that the idea of juggling liquid is, it is more plausible than whatever that guy, the, the change. I also changed the name. The character's name is Chris Gravely. It's yeah, not exactly. Chad yeah. Isaac in the novel. Yeah. yeah. It was like, I don't know. They're like, yeah, you can't really juggle blood. So you could probably change that. I'm like, no, buddy, that is the point. That's, that, that's, that's the, the point. point. That's the point of the it's, line. If you're, you're meant to bump yeah. on that line. Like, what do you think he wants to do with the blood? I don't know. Juggle it. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Can, can uh, let me, let me ask one thing I want to ask. I, I need to know. Is this episode going to be right after the August Norman episode? Because there's something I would love about the idea of someone who writes stories and narratives so, so well, and everything makes sense. And then it's followed by this one that makes zero sense whatsoever. Uh, it, it is not. There's there's some ah! episodes, there's episodes in between, but, but but we will tell people to listen to it. This, let's see what order should they go in? Should they go? <laughs> it's a good this, double feature. Yeah, listen uh, to August first. Listen, listen yeah. to Mr. Norman first. Absolutely, a good friend of ours. Uh, yeah. did, did he do it under August Norman? Did he do it under his shoot name? I, he did it under Norm Thoming, and uh, but we Got talked it. about August Norman uh, okay. and he, as his, you know, his nomad. I tried. I, do you do you know the do you know the terminology work and shoot from professional wrestling? I don't, but I was able to kind of deduce what it was. <laughs> yeah, from context yeah. clues. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I usually don't want to broke. I don't want to break kayfabe. I don't want to uh, blow up any of the spots. So like Randy the Macho Man Savage's shoot name, because Randy the Macho Man Savage is the gimmick. Mm-hmm. His shoot name is is Randy Poffo, right? So it's like, <laughs> but no. No one's selling out Madison Square Garden to go see Randy Poffo. Randy Poffo. So, no, yeah. no, I don't think so. You know, I <laughs> yeah. do have to say you should be proud of this. is my first episode with a lot of wrestling references. So Excellent. I got that down. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so Mr. Chad Isaac, who I kept whenever I was Googling him the yeah. last two days, I'd accidentally yeah. search for Chris Isaac. And uh, ha- it's, also spe- it's also spelled differently. Yeah. It's also spelled differently, <laughs> which is even more. I didn't confusing. I didn't actually even notice that. Um, I-S-A-A-K yep. is Chad Isaac. And then Chris I-S-S-A C, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. It's maybe. two. It's two. I uh, know it's uh, it's I S S A K for Chris Isaac, the musician. Mm. Yeah, it's two A's. It took me about six months before I went. Oh my god, I've been writing this wrong the whole time in all my notes. <laughs> find a replace. Find a replace. Find a replace. <clears throat> uh, no, but to to wrap up some of this stuff here, he's convicted. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is a good place where we can kind of go to because this is very recent. He has committed suicide, and you talked about that earlier. August August first. Yeah, in prison. August 1st of this year. And I, I mean, what kind of reports have come out about that? Are there any details about how he did it, why he did it, what he was well, like in prison? Imme- like that? Yeah, immediately, of course. Every, again, he immediately filed for appeal. I thought I was shocked. I was stunned because I was like, oh, this guy is going to fight this mm-hmm. until all, all the way up to the Supreme Court if he can, right? Yeah. At least, I'd say at least to the Supreme Court of, of North Dakota. Mm-hmm. minimum he's gonna he is going to go through his appeals process and then even if he uh gets put on death row off the top of my head i do not remember 
I uh, I don't think he was sentenced to death. It was life sentence. But even yeah. say for for the example, even if North Dakota did have public, uh, you know, uh, still did have yeah. executions, he'd fight it. He'd fight it all the way mm-hmm. for so for him to show up dead. And again, immediately everyone wants to like crank up the uh, conspiracy, conspiracy theories. theories. Like, yeah, yeah, they're like you know the whole Jeffrey Epstein didn't hang himself, all that kind of thing. I'm like, no. This is a guy because Chad Isaac is a very, uh, with the exception of what he clearly did, or you know, allegedly, if you want to do that. Mm-hmm. But he was found guilty. He was convicted, found guilty, and sentenced. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the guy, even if the uh, he is such like sort of a nice, unassuming, quiet, soft-spoken, I can absolutely imagine that he is just hey, not giving any, not giving any problems to the guards on that. It was I read all the reports about that too. This is a guard. God bless his heart. You know, um, he was like, well, you know, I was a little lax because they're in that tiny room and they really can't go anywhere for privacy. So if they're changing or if they're using the bathroom, I, I'll let them put a little piece of cardboard over the window. And that's, you know, for just for privacy sake. And that's what he did. He put a piece of yeah. cardboard over the window. Yeah. The, the, the naive young guard or whatever, like he didn't hang him. He didn't, he didn't get paid by, yeah. he didn't get paid by a family to like, finish the deed or like it's just a guy who effed up at his job and went like i mean he's probably like me he probably thought that guy's gonna appeal he was in the midst of appealing yeah that guy just wants to take that guy just wants to take a dump yeah without the whole world looking at him because they have to check every yeah i forget if it's every hour every 15 minutes on Mm -hmm. that on that floor and that's how he was able to do it he was able to hang himself Mm -hmm. without anyone seeing it and long enough so that by the time the check came he didn't answer the door, didn't take up the cardboard, they opened it up, and he was gone. Uh, so again, once again, back to another thing of like, who thought that was going to happen? Mm-hmm. Not me. Yeah, uh, not me either. Yeah. Yeah, so. No, so is so. that what's next for you in relation to this case? I mean, obviously, Chad is now passed away yeah. from his own doing. Yeah. So is it just, you know, the creative process here? You're still inspired and and love the pilot and want to kind of. Oh, to, yeah. to be certain, I have all five seasons worked out. Um, I use it. Uh, I, it took me a while because my managers love a bunch of my stuff, but they all love stuff that is old, which means I had to take extra time to like mm-hmm. punch up and polish. But I kept saying like my manager, and then um, I'm, uh, and then also the head of pr- the vice president, who's the head of production at the same management company, who I have good I have good re- relationships with both, and I like them a lot. And I finally I kept going. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's this one. I'm telling you, it's this one. This like, if you need to, eventually, I got one. I was like, this is, if you want to try and get me staff writing jobs, this is my sample. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. want to know, if they want to know I can write and, and they want to know that I can do it, like, this is the one. And it's obviously something I can do a lot of follow-up conversation with yeah. Yeah. afterwards. If nothing else, you, you know how it is. Like, if nothing else, I may get an interview just from a person going like, yeah, we're looking at a couple different people, but like, so this is based on a true crime, yeah. right? What, Tell what, us about like, that. Cause, yeah. Yeah, because because creative people are like they're fascinated about this stuff just the yeah. same way like you're bringing me on here. Yeah, and then also I finally got the vice president of production to read it, and he was like, "Oh my god, wow!" And I'm like, yeah. "Thank you. This is the but, one where um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cast it. Uh, I'll probably play a role in it, but this is the one where I'm selling it. Like, um, this is the like Stan versus Evil Dana Gold mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. where I'm just like, "Hey, give me a. I'll shoot this like a small independent film. It's mm-hmm. a very small cast." Send me somewhere off into into BF Egypt. I I'm the writer, I'm the showrunner, I'm the director. I play one of the leads. Uh, give me give me two editors, two staff writers, and a staff assistant, and leave me alone for six months, and I'll bring yeah. you back a series. Yeah, I'll bring you back a, a ten episode season. So yeah. that's what I'm 
that's what I'm looking at right now. I'm trying to make it so that I can go like definitely a mini room. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to go to a streamer like an Amazon or oh yeah or, yeah yeah, yeah. Or, it, it's, yeah or or a smaller one like a Stars or an AMC Plus yep. or, or like FXXX. I'm like for the dollar amount that I can make this for you be and for the quality that it is you'd be dumb to not green like mm. the show because I'll be the cheapest thing on your network yeah and it'll be good. And, yeah, and look, so. there, years ago, I took like a weekend intensive screenwriting class with uh, the mm -hmm. guy who wrote the first draft of Pretty Woman. And he wrote many other yeah. things. He was, he was one of the first writers to like sell a spec script for a million dollars, which mm -hmm. doesn't happen anymore. Now you sell them for a dollar. Um, <laughs> Dude, Joel, Joel, who is it? What's his name that wrote uh, Basic Instinct and Sliver? Oh, yeah, yeah, Sliver, yeah. Sliver, he made $5 million for a five page outline because that's, yeah. that's how much of a hit. Yep. Basic instinct was they were like, we are going to pay you a million dollars a page for yeah. treatment. Treatment. It okay. doesn't happen anymore. Sorry. So anyway, he nope. he had this nope. great lesson that I I is always stuck with me, which is you can be practicing this, you can be studying it, you can be whatever your art form is, it can literally apply to anything in entertainment. And you could be amazing at it. People in Hollywood aren't going to care. They care about the story and not just the story of the thing you're creating, the story behind you. And it's yep. like this already kind of has that for you because it has the tie-in of your interest in the real case going to the trial. You could have even mm -hmm. just driven past the, the trial and people are still going to be like, yeah. wait, you went to North Dakota to follow there. this thing? Um, so yeah, it has it has the story behind it. So I wish you the best of luck with it. And <clears throat> Thank uh, you. Yeah. I, literally, I, literally, I literally told someone that earlier today. I had a, uh, uh, a digital cup of coffee with someone of like, hey, mm -hmm. I heard you're trying to make your first movie. And that's that's how I sold my first movie. I shot I shot Killer View about mm -hmm. a serial killer. Serial killer, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I shot it on disposable video cameras, those that they shot from CVS Pharmacy, and that's how I sold it. Yeah. It's a very good movie. I'm very proud of it. It's still it's still I think it still holds up. Yeah. But uh, walking walking into a room with executives and going, and I shot like I I pulled it yeah. out of my pocket as yeah. and I shot it on this, and their eyes go wide because I'm yeah. like, yeah, and that's the angle. Robert Rodriguez donated yep. his body to science and raised seven thousand yep. dollars to shoot uh, El Mariachi. Kevin Smith, like the story of how you made the thing, has to be equally as important, if not more important, than the thing, the story that you're telling. Yeah. And yeah, this one, this one, I I know I have this. I have this backwards and forwards, and it's just convincing people. If you don't have, if you don't have the like, I am lopping a zero off the end of what you normally spend for a television show at your network. If you're telling me that me plus this plus fill in the blank of who plays the female detective, the mm -hmm. female FBI, FBI agent that comes yeah. to town, you put I don't I I've, I've already got the pitch. I'm like, you give me Jane Lynch, Sarah O, Kate McKinnon, or Francis McDormand. You pick which one of those that you want, and you put them in the lead, and plus me in this story. And you're saying I, for the dollar for the price point that I'm offering it to you, and you don't want this movie. Do, Tell your boss that, and then tell me what he says, and then I'll accept no as an answer. So go go to the head of production at your network and say, "Yeah, here's the idea, here's the script, here's the deck, here's uh, here's the person that they want to put in it, and uh, here how cheap it is." And I said, "No." <laughs> uh, I feel like you, you know go. how it is. You've you've pitched yeah. enough where it's like, yeah, I gotta make it. I gotta make it so. I gotta make it to the point like, if you go to your boss and admit that you turn this down, you'll get fired. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Because they don't care about anything yeah. else. Well, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. And because he's on the podcast, I now own 10% of this. So uh, help help Brian out. 90% of 
Ninety percent of something is better than one hundred percent of nothing. There you I'll go. take it. There you go. Uh, well, thank you. Non-binding. So much. Non-binding. Thank no, you, no, man. Very binding. Very binding. Uh, no, thank yes. you so much for doing this. Thank you for sharing the thank story, you, brother. Knowledge of it. Yeah. Any anything else before we take off? <clears throat> I mean, we went on a little tangent there, but I thought it was good stuff. So, oh, it's uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, like you can you can Google my name, Brian James O'Connell, and you can find all the stuff you need to. So I don't need to rattle off all the ats for the social media. All, all your all plugs. That. All your plugs. <clears throat> all the plugs. Yeah. Uh, pe- people people know where to find me. Uh, yeah. Just right now, I uh, I'm waiting. I wrote uh, uh what's Dan, oh, Dan Harvin's company that I'm I'm, forgetting, I'm blanking on. Uh, Starburns. Oh, yeah, uh, I wrote I wrote a holiday themed stop motion animation feature for uh, Starburns and uh, and our partners in Canada uh, that uh, we're just waiting to hire a director and then I'll, that'll get greenlit. I'm the official writer of the uh, the Anarchist Cookbook uh, Ooh, television nice. adaptation. Yeah, it's animated. Uh, yeah, it's me. Uh, Emic McDermott is the executive producer and and, uh, and owner of the intellectual property. He's the guy that came up with 60 Second Docs. He just did White Hot, the uh, Abercrombie and Fitch documentary on Netflix. Oh, cool. Yeah. I yeah. J- John, Sh- yeah. John Sherman's the showrunner. He uh, he was a writer for a long time on Frasier, a bunch of things. Uh, Dan Turoff is the producer who worked at MGM for that. Uh, and then and then this thing. Those are the. the oh, and then the, I'm writing uh, uh, something that I'm not allowed to talk about. But it's again, it's another <laughs> true crime. <laughs> uh mass murder serial killer thing uh that has you know knock on wood a lot of things going so it's a lot of family and a lot of that's a lot of that stuff and so i'm kind of at the point where i know that um i have to thank you outright appreciate because this is another thing that i'm going to use to try and sell it absolutely like, listen to the podcast while you're you know on the yeah. treadmill person mm-hmm. and then they'll be like i got it there's no way i got it at least i gotta talk to a and make sure that he's not full of shit no way that's true um and so i appreciate the opportunity you give me for that because this is this is the one that i'm like this is the one i can do this is yeah, the one i, I yeah, know i can do absolutely. and that's uh do that so that's that's what uh that's what's helpful for me there and also we're just good, good. friends and we're going to be working yeah. on stuff soon and so that's i right. want to be like let me come on and, and make a a double album of a podcast yeah. <laughs> on this subject <laughs> right if you, if you have a, you know if you keep your things down to an hour break it up into two don't make listen no, to people yeah, no listen to a three-hour podcast <laughs> no no I, I i don't think we even recorded that long so it won't happen no we did we did we're good and that music means that we've hit the conclusion of the episode thank you again brian be sure to check out his work brian james o'connell look him up and make sure to subscribe to A Study of Strange. Check out our giveaway on Patreon and the additional content therein. Easiest way to find that information is our website, www.astudyofstrange.com. Follow the show on Instagram, at A Study of Strange. I always forget stuff here in the outros. Uh, let's see, a theme music by the incomparable Matt Glass. His info is always in the show notes. Oh, send me scary stories. A study of strange at gmail.com. I want you on the show. Thank you all for listening. Good night. <laughs>